Welcome to DBAX Podcast. The future technology and stuff. This is the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sports, 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 sports. From the field to the front office, the ballpark to the broadcast booth, it's time to talk DBAX baseball. I just think about baseball. Here are Greg Schulte. And he rockets one to deep right center. That is long gone. And Steve Berthium. In the gap at the track at the wall, and he's got it, A.J. Pollock, wow! Play ball! From Salt River Field to Talking Stick in Scottsdale, Arizona, this is D-Backs Podcast, the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and welcome to our 34th D-Backs Podcast, Season 2, Episode 9 I'm Steve Berthume. On this Episode 34, coming up, we will talk to Mike Bell, he is the D-backs Director of Player Development. That's coming up shortly on this program. A great conversation about all the prospects in the system, some of which, uh, some of whom you're familiar with, maybe some you aren't. But uh, Mike is the guy to talk to about the up-and-coming talent in the system, so he will join us shortly on the old pod. As we record this, Wednesday, February 23rd, the spring training is well underway. It's our second day of full squad workouts. Everyone here. Front office, coaches and players have spoken with the media. They've done the welcome back interviews. They've done the introductory interviews. And now it is down to business as we approach the first spring game of the year, which is next Tuesday. Hard to believe here at Salt River Fields against the University of Arizona as part of the annual collegiate series. And then the Cactus League schedule gets underway the next day, next Wednesday, right here against the Rockies. Let's introduce the man who has been the voice of the Diamondbacks since uh, their inception. Here for his 19th spring training. Does it feel like 19? It doesn't. Sometimes it does, but for the for the most part, you stop and you think back to 98. No, I mean, it's, it's it does not. That's hard to believe. He is the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Governor Greg Schulte. And ready to go. Excited. Yeah, really there's a lot excited. to be excited yeah. about. Yep. It's been fun out yep. here. It's been really fun. Also on the program. Back in his usual spot, which is uh, the men's room of the umpire's dressing room here uh, right next to the agility field at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. It back is where I belong. From the, from the stalls. You can literally reach over and grab the talcum powder. Second season from the bathroom. Got my, we got mouthwash over there, <laughs> Barbasol. He's over there with the Barbasol. <laughs> it's our engineer, our producer, our man about town. He is the mother of dragons, the Kingslayer, Leo, Bad News, Gilmartin. I'm ready to go, too. Are you ready? Yeah. You look ready. I'm ready. You look a little I'll, more enthusiastic I'm than normal. Up, uh, Leo and I, up the Leo bathroom. And I have been together for a long, long time. Yeah, it has been. Remember uh, the uh, old office building we used to have when we first started this? Uh, over how at many, the Arizona uh, Center. And how many spring trainings has it been for you here? 19. Yeah. So you I, start, all, yeah, I started working in 96. No, 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 19. Yeah, no, no, 19. Wow. I, I still feel like the new. Farron is here, the moral compass. You're, you're four, year four for you? This is year four for me. It's flying by. I'm Gonna just happy not to be the new guy anymore. <laughs> now we have Theron to abuse. <laughs> yeah. no, we're, but we're packing up. Uh, I'll pack up uh, the stuff today and head out to the booth. Yes, this for, is the last uh, show from the restroom this yeah. year, sadly. Only yeah. two shows from the bathroom this year. Well, we're moving up. Yeah. Next year, maybe we'll only do one. But uh, with games starting, we will move into, the, as you mentioned, the radio booth at uh, the ballpark here. and It'll be a game every day, and uh, we'll be off and running. Looking Huge forward to booth. it. Plenty of room. Uh, we do have one housekeeping note. 
every D-backs podcast episode that we record is put together by Leo. Uh, and then it's passed along electronically to the MLB offices in New York for posting at the D-backs website on MLB.com and on iTunes. And, and once we do that, unfortunately, it's, uh, the whole show is out of our hands. We send it uh, via Raven off to King's Landing. And the rest is up to them. But uh, last week they had a technical glitch, we'll call it, on their end. So if you had an issue downloading or listening to the previous episode, we apologize. Hopefully that's all been worked out. We're doing it by carrier pitching this year. Yeah. This that week. might work the, better than Raven. The Raven's been fired. <laughs> we only had one. Maybe that was yeah. the problem. Uh, on that subject, we have to pass this along, and then we'll get going here. Uh, we had boys, Fan Fest guys last Saturday. Great. What a turnout. Great. We had more than 30,000 people. The place was packed. It was great. Saturday at Chase Field. But both at FanFest, uh, just walking around here, talking to fans at Salt River who've been watching workouts over the last week. And, Gub, you and I had this happen to us a bunch of times on Saturday. We've had many of you come up, introduce yourself, say hello, which is always great, and tell us how much you're enjoying this podcast. Hey, love the podcast, guys. I, I was surprised yeah, that we got because you send the stuff out yeah. into space yeah. and hopefully somebody's out there enjoying it. But we had a lot of people come up and thank us and, and say, hey, I listen, I download, and it's great. So we really do want to thank you for that and passing that along for, for listening and downloading and participating in this project. It was great to hear from, from so many of you. And we really do appreciate all the kind words. So, so thanks. And if you have something you'd like to hear on the show, please tweet us. At D-backs podcast. Let us know. I think one of the things Feedback. that we're able to do with the podcast, and you guys will agree on this, you're able to take an interview and stretch it out to the max where you want to go. And, yeah. you know, if, if it's a good interview, I mean, you can go as long as you want because uh, the interest is there and the information is there. And I'm sure we're going to get that today out of Mike Bell. You don't have to talk in sound bites. Yeah. And ideally, the point of the podcast is we get together and we talk baseball and we have fun. But ideally, you don't have an interview with a guest. You have a conversation. Right. And that's really what we're going for here. So sometimes the show gets a little beefy. Goldie was great last year. We'll have him on yet probably this spring. Yeah, I checked with the, with the yeah. powers that be here. And we will have a, a sit down with Goldie before we break camp here. But uh, any, anyway, thanks for, for, the, uh, for the kind words. And we're glad that... Uh, you're enjoying the show. Yeah, we it, we both talked about that because we'd had three or four people that came up to us and we kind of looked at each other like, wow, that's, I, that's good. You want to know how out of control it got? <laughs> I actually, and I'm not even making this up, I actually saw someone ask Leo for an autograph. <laughs> remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah, they were taking a picture with you. They wanted an autograph at FanFest. I mean, I'm telling you, this is. You're talking about my daughter? Oh, was that your daughter? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it was actually. <laughs> she's not. She was she, really looking for Chris she Owens because yeah, well, yeah. she's not one of our bigger fans, but uh, Chris is is dreamy and he's a yes, teen idol. That's that he's is, like the Scott Bayo of the Diamond. That is the word on the street, so to speak. <laughs> so but no, I, we had I had a couple people come up and uh, were, were very complimentary, so that was great. Well, let's talk initial impressions here, guys, and then we'll get to Mike Bell. A spring game start next week, and we've been watching workouts for a while now, over really over the last two months, but in full swing here over the last week. We've said hello and chatted with the returning players and the coaches. We've met and talked with the new arrivals. FanFest was a huge success. Uh, Chip Hale addressed the full squad for the first time yesterday behind closed doors in the clubhouse. I got to sit in on that meeting in the room, and the message was clear. It's time to go to work. And, and Chip, with the door closed and just the team in there, he looked around and said, look, two rules, be on time, hustle, if you don't hustle, this train is moving, he said, and if you don't hustle, we'll kick you off the train. But he, he looked around and said, look, we got a shot. 
this year with what the front office has done, we have a shot. And that seems to be the consensus. Yeah, and I think that's uh, the consensus around baseball. I think uh, there are going to be some that pick the Diamondbacks to win the West. Most are probably going to pick the Giants or the Dodgers. But given the fact that they now have a starting rotation that other teams are going to have to deal with, I mean, if you go into a three-game series facing Granke, Miller, or Corbin, or maybe Corbin, De La Rosa, and Ray, uh, that's not bad. I mean, last year you had De La Rosa and you had Ray out of that group, and it was only De La Rosa at the start of the season because Robbie Ray wasn't there yet. So look what you've done. Corbin was not available to pitch yet. Uh, you basically are adding four really good to a, a guy who won 14 games last year for you. Yeah. So they definitely have a shot. Um, they're going to miss out some on Ender and CRD. There's no doubt about that. We've talked about that. But everything we're hearing and just looking at the guy work, uh, Yasmani Tomas is uh, prime for a big season, and you sure hope so. He looks good. Yeah. We, we've touched on this briefly, but we've had a little more time here to, to talk to Yasmani as best we can and and see him and watch him run around at work. I mean, he's a thick he's guy. Got a, I think he's got a little bit more grasp, Bert, of, of what is expected of him now. He went. He spent all winter, and Chip told us this, and Nick Pecora wrote about this the other day. He spent most of the winter hanging out with Nate Shaw, yeah. the Diamondback strength and conditioning coach. They went hiking in the woods. They did. They jumped rope, and part of that was educating Yasmani. Don't forget, he missed a whole year of baseball. Almost He's still two. A, yeah, almost two. He's still a kid, but educating him about nutrition and exercise and diet and how to how to be a professional. And I think that will go a long way. He looks really good. Yeah. I think he looks really good. He's talented. There's no doubt about it. We saw a lot of talent in the young man. He's athletic. He's a lot more athletic, I think, than people are led to believe. Yes. There's no, and, there's no uh, doubt you know, about with, the, with the weight being distributed now and in the shape he seems to be in, um, it'll be interesting to watch his development through spring training. When I look at Randall Delgado, and we talked to Randall a couple of episodes ago, but when I watch him run around out there now and pitch, it looks like Randall, over the offseason, has gone from boy to man. Randall Delgado is a man now, before he might have been a boy. So I think that's going to happen with a lot of players here. And I don't know why exactly, but when you look at him, I think there's an understanding kind of, of his role. It. I think he knows now he's out of the bullpen permanently. Right. And but I think he's ready for that, and I think he's ready to take the ball. He knows he can be successful because he saw some of that last year. Real good. And so he's ready too. to take that next step. But I, th- I think physically there's a maturity there. Mm. There's a presence about him that says he's a grown-up now. And I think that's going to be the case with a number of players that yeah. we've seen here. I really like Tyler Wagner, the young uh, 25-year-old right-hander they got from Milwaukee in the Aaron Hill deal. I got to chat with Tyler a couple of times, um, walked back from one of the backfields with him yesterday, watched him throw. 11-5 and five with a two two five at Biloxi last year. He's a big guy, mm-hmm. but he moves really well. He really they moves well him. out there. They were yeah. him in Milwaukee. And, and he was their top pitching prospect. Uh, in fact, he was drafted, I want to say, 2012. I think it was the first player from that draft class uh, for Milwaukee to make the major league team. Uh, he was a closer, in fact, at Utah. He pitched collegiately. But I, I think they got a good one there. I really like what I've seen there. And um, Bracho's look good. Burgos has look good. We'll talk to Mike Bell about all these guys in a minute. But uh, who else have you seen that, that has made an impression on you so far? Well, not so much, you know, has made an impression. I just like the camaraderie. It's You see guys talking to guys one day. They're talking to a different guy the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the infielders will hang around together. But uh, you see a lot of talking. You see a lot of baseball talk. You see a lot of pointing. You see a lot of helping. 
And I'm not talking the coaches alone. I'm talking about players helping other guys out. And I always like to see that. This is going to be a young club again. This might be the youngest club in baseball again. Was last year, yeah. You know, Average and, age 27. Yeah, and I mean, Aaron Hill's off the roster now um, with some age. Uh, you know, Granke's only 32. Look how young that pitching staff is. Look how young the infield is. Look how young the outfield is. So it's a young ball club. Um, you look for leadership. You look to Paul Goldschmidt. You look to A.J. Pollock. And these guys are still relatively young. Goldie came up for the first time in 2011 in August. So 12, 13, 40, he's only had four full seasons in the big leagues. He's looked upon as a leader, as well he should be. A.J. Pollock, a couple of big years in the big leagues. Those two guys are going to be the guys that everybody gravitates to. Watch them, their mechanisms, their, their what they do on the field, how they handle themselves, and go from there. And a guy like Grink, you just watch as a pitcher, you learn from what he does out there on the mound. And as improved as the team figures to be, and with all the depth they have here, as we sit here today right now, I can't tell you with 100% certainty who will be the second baseman, who will be the shortstop, who will be the third baseman, who will be the backup catcher. What you can't say is Paul Goldschmidt will be the first baseman, A.J. Pollock will yeah. be the center fielder. But I, Yeah, and, and <laughs> right, but the fourth outfielder. And David Prawl will be the right fielder. The 12th pitcher yeah. in the bullpen, the fifth starter in the rotation. Right. There's, I mean, six, seven, eight spots. It could be any one of three or four guys. And listen, you know, Dave Stewart is always talking. I mean, if, if a couple of guys are making a, a name for themselves this spring and really pitching well – or maybe playing well in the field, you talk with other teams, maybe where you can help yourself in another, you know, uh, area. Uh, maybe another bullpen arm, or maybe a young starting pitcher. There'll be movement during the spring, uh, be it trades, be it waiver, waiver wire pickups, or whatever. I, I don't look for this forty man to stay as is going into uh, yeah. the regular season. There's always some change, and usually teams make a trade or two. It might not be a blockbuster, but uh, uh, if you're hurting in one area, maybe you make a couple of couple of moves. You move a couple of guys to get a guy that can help you right now. Well, there's a lot of depth here, as we've talked about. It is coming up from different levels of the minor league system, and there is a nobody more qualified to speak to that than our guest this week. May I be so bold as to interrupt your little late night with Larry King live? What an evening, Mike. It's so good to see you. I didn't know you were still on. Ladies and gentlemen, will you welcome one of the magnificent figures? It's a true Renaissance man. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Let's talk about current events, whatever you want. Okay, I quote. And now with that aside, I will sit down. Joined this week on D-Backs Podcast by the Diamondbacks Director of Player Development, Mike Bell. Mike, this is always our favorite time to talk to you because everybody's all together in one spot. How does that feel for you to, to look out over the agility field here and see, uh, what, 60, 70, 80 guys? And in a sense, you're sort of all responsible for all standing in one place. Yeah, absolutely. I was just talking to our staff about that uh, yesterday. Uh, spring training is the one time a year, you know, even with our staff where everybody's together and it, it's really a special time uh we're really close as a staff uh we're all friends and it, it's it's like you you know we get here early as you guys know uh, some of us get here around five and, and there's guys working out and, and and it's you go in and you're tired and as soon as you get in there you see everybody and everybody's talking it's loud and uh, a lot of excitement and it's it's fun to be around the guys and then of, of course the players and we have 67, I believe, in Major League Camp. We had a, a earlier 
pitcher camp for the minor league guys. We had 28 pitchers, another eight catchers, um, and now early camp starting. I believe we have 92 total minor league players here, and it, it's it's exciting. It's fun to see them. It's fun to see that you know they're young guys and their bodies are changing. They're mature and they're growing up. And to hear what they did in the off season, how they took care of themselves, what they did with their families, what they did for fun. It's just it's just a very refreshing time of year. You know, we're blessed. I mean, we, and we know we are. We we get to broadcast baseball. We get to watch a baseball game every night. Talk baseball. You get to travel, watch these kids, and and we go out here and we see the fans. They would love to be in our positions. They get as close as they can, but it is it, it's like a it, it's like a family atmosphere, and you disperse during the season. But a lot of these guys are familiar as they move level to level, perhaps with one another. They do. I mean, that shoot. I remember when I was playing. I played. Uh, still, my best friend to this day. I played with him six different seasons, wow. <laughs> parts of it, uh, and that's with different organizations too. Some of these guys grow up together. You know, some of them are from high school, and and they sign at 18 years old, and, and they're they're friends for life. Their families become friends, um, and the same same way for the staff. But yeah, we we disperse once the season starts. And I was again, I was talking to the staff, and so I got the greatest job in the world. They 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 all stay. They go out. They're together for six months. They eat together they they're on the bus together they do everything they're, they they're sick of each other by the end i get to, <laughs> i get to show up in different cities uh stir things up and leave and go on to the next spot fans understand what tony larissa's job is here i think they understand what dave stewart's job is here they understand what a scout does but for the fans what does a director of player development do what are your responsibilities um i i, I get asked this a lot and um I think my biggest responsibility is is to the the players first and the staff, um, and it's to to help create a good atmosphere, uh, a good place to to come work every day, to come play, um, and, and so they can en enjoy their experience. And I, I think when when staff and players enjoy coming uh, to play the game and and teach the game, I think they're going to be more productive. I guess on a more specific scale, um, I, I am somewhat in charge with with others that that uh, I consult with, you know, Dijon and, and Dave Stewart and Tony and Brian Minetti and the rest of the guys up there. But um, I, I, I spend a lot of time putting the staff together, uh, where the coaches go, what coaches we bring in. Um, a lot of us have been here for a long time, and this is one of the greatest things about the organization, it's a loyal organization. We, we bring guys in and, and we keep them here and, and we try to develop the staff uh, just as much. Uh, and then on a day-to-day -day during the season, moving players, uh, if someone needs to, to go up, go down, mm -hmm. whatever. And then uh, in the fall, I, I, I do a lot of the free agent signings. Um, of course, I'm listening to the scouts sure. and, and who they, they see as somebody that can help, and I make uh, quite a few phone calls. You mentioned staff, and one of the things I noticed, Gil Heredia is going to be the pitching coach this year at Reno, and Bird, Mark uh, Mark Parrott. Parrott is going Mike, to go, yeah. I think, uh, Mike, Mike Parrott's Parrott. going to go to, uh, is it uh, Oregon? Yes. Hillsboro. Hillsboro. Yeah. So Mike, we're talking, I, he's got to have as many Pacific Coast League games um, as a coach yeah. and player, as anybody. Um, and then we said it in Bill Plummer. 
I, I think Bird's got 15 years in the mm-hmm. Pacific Coast League, and Bill Plummer said, "Yeah, you don't have the, you don't have the record. My uncle does. He played in the Coast <laughs> League 19 years or something. So that's wow, that's a long time. Um, but Bird, he's he's been here for Ever. 20 years now, or whatever. <laughs> he's one of our best coaches, if not the best. Um, you know, we just wanted to create some more opportunities for guys, including himself, have a little different experience. Work with a younger player. Work work yeah. with the younger player. I mean, can you imagine a, a, a young college kid and his first coach is somebody with his kind of experience? I think that sets up our pitchers uh, very well to have a successful career. Outside of Once we get outside of spring training, before that season starts, he's going to bounce around. He might go to the Dominican. He might go back to Reno and, and just kind of – help in, in different areas and expose him to some different things that he's wanted to do for a while. Do you spend how much of the season going from place to place, from Reno to Mobile to Visalia to Hillsborough to Kane County and on down the list? How much of that is involved for you? Uh, I typically, when I when I travel, I go out five days so I can see all, all five starters. And I go to each city, especially the full season teams, three to four times a year, uh, the, the short season teams a couple times a year. And then hopefully some playoffs, and then of course I go to the Dominican two, three, four times that's a year. A lot of travel. Yeah. It, it is. Wow. It is. Um, I, I, that's how I grew up. You in that million mile club, yeah? <laughs> no, I, yeah, probably. Me and George Clooney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, that's how I grew up. I grew up in the game. I grew up traveling. Um, my wife likes to travel. She'll go on a trip here or there with me. I take my son uh, on some trips with me. Hopefully my daughter's here soon. I can do that with them too, and it's it's just how I grew up. And every, every now and then, as you guys travel, yeah. <laughs> you know it 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 does grind on you at yeah. times. But you get to see the country, you see some beautiful places, and I, I can't say I've been to a city that I don't like. Every city has a has something you can find: sure. a breakfast place, lunch, coffee shop, whatever it is. Uh, I, I like to run a lot and run around the cities and. Uh, there's always a river somewhere, some kind of some kind of trail to find. Do you make it a point to go see the teams when they're home, so you can see the facility and grade that, or you don't follow Mobile, for instance, in another Southern League city, would you? Uh, occasionally, mm-hmm. it just works out that way. Um, you know, I'm, there might be something going on with, with a, a team or a player. Um, you know, not even bad all the time, just some something that you specifically want to see at that given time. But uh, I do like to go into the home cities and, yeah. and see those teams, uh, their, their GMs and the people at work at those affiliates. Um, you know, I'm, I've actually gotten to be pretty close with them. We've been with a lot of our teams for a long time, and, and a lot of those people there at the cities are, are, are good friends of mine. You mentioned Pacific Coast League for a long time, of course. It's, it's, a, it's a league where you hit. And uh, maybe unfair to judge pitchers uh, in the Pacific Coast League. Whereas the Southern League, where Mobile plays, a little bit more of a pitching league. Do you have a favorite league to go watch? Um, I, I like you like, I like Reno. I, I like all of them. I you know I could start it at the top, but I, I do like Reno. I and it might be because I spent so long in AAA. I, I feel it. <laughs> I feel at home in a, a AAA clubhouse, mm-hmm. um, and it's fun. I as I mentioned. I, I help bring a, a lot of the free agents in along with our, our scouts and the rest of the office. So I think when I go there, I, I feel a certain attachment sure. to, to that team. Um, but then, you know, you go to Mobile and you, every game is, is a one-run game. It's a lot like that in the Midwest League too. 
Um, Visalia, I, I managed there for two years. Now, so Cal I, League is a hitter's league, right? It, yeah. it is. It, Visalia plays pretty fair. It's, mm-hmm. it's more on the hitter hitter friendly side of, of things, but it's certainly not High Desert or Lancaster. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it, Visalia is a kind of a neat little uh, farmer town, and, and there's a nice little downtown area. Um, first couple of years, I got I got booed when I came back. I lost a lot of games. That, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we've been successful the, yeah. the, the last couple of years there. Uh, J.R. House did a great job. Bill Plummer a couple of years ago. Robbie Hammock. And we've had some good teams. Got them in the playoffs and came up a little bit short. But I, I really enjoy going back there. I got some good friends there. You know, you look at that Reno team. They got Phil Nevin as a manager. His name was bandied about a little bit in some of the uh, had a few interviews. Yeah, Moose, uh, Greg Gross, the hitting coach. You got Gil Heredia now as a pitching coach. Uh, the organization really, from top to bottom, loaded with a lot of good talent. Guys who played Major League Baseball and were very successful. And it's hard to find now uh, guys that 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 had that type that have that type of resume. Um, yeah, they don't want to ride the buses, it, right? It's, it, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And They're millionaires. Yeah. And um, it, when you find guys like uh, Phil Nevin, uh, Mark Grudzelanek, yeah. who uh, was in Kane County last year as a coordinator this year, uh, we just hired Mike Lansing. Um, we got guys with, with Get those. Get for the cycle against the Diamondbacks in five innings. I did not know that. Yeah, ask him about that. Uh, I'm sure he'll remember. <laughs> I'm sure if I don't ask him, he'll tell us. Yeah, uh, Expos, Rockies, Red five Sox. Five innings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, so when you find guys like that, it, you know, I'm talking to them, and I, what do you want to do? I'm waiting for, man, do you got one of those special assistant jobs? <laughs> I'm kind of kind of wait, waiting for that. Um, and they say, I, I just want to teach. I just want to coach. Um I just want to get back in the game. I miss it. You know you have something there. And and we've been fortunate. We've been fortunate to bring some guys like that in. Um, I, I definitely don't think that's a prerequisite to, to have a long major league playing career. We, we have some outstanding uh, young coaches that didn't spend a lot of time in the big leagues. And, and from their experiences, they're – you know, it's a grind uh, for those guys. Well, it's funny, Mike, to hear Gracie and yeah. we had we talked to Mark Grace when he went to Hillsboro. Those kids didn't know who the hell he was, mm-hmm. so you would think, oh, there he's going to walk in the room and everyone's going to be awestruck. These guys are young kids; they don't know. A, but he a Mark still Grace, talks about his time, how he how he enjoyed it. He, yeah. Oh, yeah. he was great there. But but my point being, yeah. that's not really, as you said, a prerequisite. Yeah. And and I think even more so when when I was playing, and that was it was even starting to go away. But years ago, maybe when my dad was playing, when somebody that that had a major league career like that walked in the door, you knew who they were. Yeah, you knew who they were, and you were in awe. And and it's just, you know, young young people are different. Yeah. Just like I was different than my dad's generation, and he was different than his than his dad's. And and that's not good, or bad, or, or anything. It's just it's just the way it is. Kids, uh, young young people, are not in awe. And I think I think that's good. I, I'm not. That's that's not a bad thing. Um, and, and that's funny that Gracie noticed that, and he probably enjoyed that to some degree too. Yeah, he and said once they Googled him yeah. and found out who he was, <laughs> then they were impressed. Yeah, he probably didn't want them Googling too deep. Well, that's, that's that's probably for another show. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, I, Bert and I have talked about this, and uh, you hear it, um, the national media seems to want to downplay the Diamondbacks. Uh, on almost any topic, 
Um, it's really a few people. It's two or three Yeah, people, but, but I mean, but, it gets yeah. out there. And, and, You're right. It's you know, a narrative. There's no question. So, and, and they talk about the minor league system. And you and I were talking a little bit earlier. There's a lot of this young talent that's already on the major league level. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, it's easy to be negative towards a team. And and, and I, it never bothers me. I mean, guys are, are trying to do their job. So, it, it you know, I talk to any of them. I don't, I don't even read the papers that much, so I don't know what you guys do or, or, or not. But, you know, there's only a couple teams. A couple teams overachieve, and they're pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a few teams – well, probably half the teams underachieve, or they think they do. There's really only one team that has a great year, yeah. and so when you go in and say this this team doesn't have it, you know, the, you're probably going to be right more more times than not. But I, I think in in our in our case, I've heard a lot about the the minor league system and our trades and what have you. I I don't know. I, I don't pay a ton of attention to it. I know we get a, a new crop of players in every year. And, and and we just keep working with them. I mean, and it's it's kind of the beauty of player development. I don't I don't have to get too wrapped up sure. in that. Um, but I, I do. I definitely think they're missing some guys. Um, I, I'm you know, I look at lists and I hear different people talk. And I, I mean, I don't even hear anybody talk about Taylor Clark, who we signed last year. He pitched 21 innings, didn't give up a run. When we signed him out of the College of Charleston, and he's a high pick, third round pick, right? Yeah, he's yeah. he's uh, it's like Michael Walker a little bit when you guys go out and see him. I mean, he's big angle uh, up high, and he's gonna he's gonna move quick. We we got in a trade, Josh Taylor, uh, big from t- the Phillies, right? From the Phillies, and you know, I we got a couple pitching guys that have been around. Dan Carlson, mm-hmm. one of them, our pitching coordinator, Brad Arnsberg, who was a major league pitching coach for eleven or twelve years. And I don't even think I noticed it. You know, I knew he was ha- had a good year with us when he when he came in. And both those guys said he might be our best out here. And his name never pops up. And he's a big six four, six five lefty. Uh, he threw a complete game in his last inning. He was throwing 95-96. Now, he's not going to pitch at that. It was just a special night for him. But he's, he's in that 91, 93, 94 range with incredible movement. But you have to be able to step back and see, okay, if we move Daniel Polka and Tukey Tucson and Aaron Blair and Dansby Swanson and some of the young guys that have been moved out of here, because I look at them, in a sense, as currency, not to dehumanize them, but you do have some equity there that you can spend to go get a Shelby Miller. Our system is deep enough to take a kind of hit like that, that we've sent out some guys over, what, a year and a half, year yeah. period of time. I think it is. We have solid players, and, you know, we've we've – We've been fortunate we won with those guys, but they weren't always here. I mean, we've, we've won a lot of games in the minor leagues, and we certainly don't take it for granted. It, it, I, th- I think everybody's enjoyed it so much uh, that it, there's a certain amount of pressure to continue winning. But with that, you've you got to have good players to win, I, I, I believe, at any level. And, and we've done that at, at all the levels, and it's because we have good players, not just one or two or – it wasn't just Daniel Palka. It wasn't just Aaron Blair. It, it's it's all of them mm-hmm. together, and I we have very good baseball players throughout the system. Let, let's I talk look, about a few. I was just going to say, yeah. I look at the starting rotation right now, the five they've got. They're capable, guys, of you know being that rotation for three, four years. I mean, if they if they all get what they're capable of doing, 
Uh, that five, in, including Robbie Ray, is number five right now. They're all very young, except for Granky, but he's Zach Granky. He's a little different breed. Uh, Corbin, uh, Shelby Miller, and Ruby, and and uh, and then Robbie, they could go on for a while. That allows these other kids in the minor leagues, who may be low minor leagues, to take their time coming up, getting ready, and you know, then you got your next batch, your next wave. Yeah, there's going to be a, a chance here for a Shipley or a Wei J Wang, or, yeah. and that time's going to come pretty soon, I would imagine, not too far off. I think so. And Shipley came on strong last year, and uh, you know he didn't pitch a lot at Reno. He was a he was a shortstop, so he's relatively young. In college, we should right. just clarify Nevada. Yeah, that's right. Um, so he, uh, you know, he, he was a little bit slower to, to come along. Well, click last year in the second half of the the, the year, and it, he didn't. Which he didn't excites look you back. about the this year? Oh yeah, yeah. He's just an incredible athlete um he's going to be he's going to be in the big leagues this year i believe at some point you know you also wow, have okay you also have uh you know archie <laughs> you know yeah. I, we, we kind of forget about him he's kind of been on the back burner he he won games against good pitching beat kershaw beat bumgarner yeah, uh, that was and, quite a start you know unfortunately he got hit and i i don't know i've never been hit like that even as a hitter um i, I never got hit and, and you have a helmet on so I, I can't imagine what that would do to you, um, your your psyche. And I think he's got that behind him now. I saw him the other day. It's as good as I've seen him look in a, in a long time. It looked like he came in ready and prepared. Um, I think people forget how young Archie he's is. He's 23. Yeah. yeah. It seems like he's been here for 10 yeah. years. That, that's right. That's right. And he's I mean, young like Chris Owings. Yeah. yeah. Just uh, There's been a lot of pressure on him through the years, and he's never going to admit to it. Um, and people probably don't even want to hear that. That's that's kind of part of the the gig, I think, or people think. But you know, it's it's still young. Uh, coming out of high school, I was a high school player, and there was certainly not the the media then uh, like there is now. But it was still hard, and I was a, a higher round pick. So I, I know he's he's gone through his ups and downs, uh, but but he'll be right there. And, and we do. We have other guys. You mentioned. Uh, Way J. Uh, another guy that doesn't get mentioned much is Brad Keller. Uh, he's a young high school guy. He's going to pitch at 20 years old. He was 19 uh, last year in the Midwest League. Didn't win a ton of games, but we just didn't score a lot of runs for him. He was as good as any pitcher in the league. 6'5", 230, uh, and he keeps maturing. I mean, he was, commands the, the fastball like as, as well as anybody we have in, in uh, the minor leagues right now. What were your thoughts on Godley the first couple of times you saw him? Oh man, I, I just probably like like you or, or Steve, both you guys are the, the fans. I mean, there's just an energy about him. Um, he's got that that football mentality. I mean, it gets overused sometimes, but yeah, it looks like he's he's gonna run through the dugout uh, on the way in, and you he know, almost did a couple of times. Yeah, and and you think, man, this, he can't keep doing like some. He's not. This is gonna stop, right? And it and it doesn't. He's he's got one speed. Uh, I think his teammates feed off of him because they know it's it's real, it's genuine. Um, he, he's he's a very tough person. Um, you know, you hear talks: oh, is he a starter? Is he a reliever? I I, I think he can start. He, he showed us he could. Uh, I think he can he can do anything he wants just because of his mentality. But we we're very impressed with him, and he, he's a winning type of of pitcher. Uh, he's got a winning type of attitude that rubs off on his teammates. I like what I've seen a lot from Tyler Wagner, who came here from Milwaukee in the Aaron Hill deal. Here's a big guy who, just in standing watching, moves around really well, very athletic. I think there's a lot to like there. Yeah, I uh, saw him a little bit yesterday, 
live BP. When we first got him, I, I called Robbie Hammock and, and just said, what do you, you know, what do you got? And he raved about him. He and uh, Jason Camilli, our he hitting had, coach. He had seen him in Biloxi. Yes. Yeah. And, and he, he dominated that league. And, you know, some of the, some of the things he said, besides having a, you know, a, a plus sinker and slider and, uh, and, and just the year he had, he, he said, you know, this guy's, uh, it, I just enjoyed uh, from, from our dugout watching him compete. Very tough. Didn't like when he gave up hits, runs. Uh, you could see the, the type of competitor he was and winner he was. And, I, you know, I, I think that's the kind of people you want to surround yourself with. And so I'm excited to see him. We saw the numbers uh, throughout the course of the minor league season. And they were pretty impressive. And then we saw the kid pitch on the major league level. Talk a little bit about Silvino Bracho. <laughs> I, I have to confess, when I first saw him, and I we had pitching coaches saying, "Hey, you never know. This this guy's going to show up in the big leagues." And I said, "God, really? You know, he's he's a little guy. Yeah, he's a bulldog. Yeah, he's 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 little. You just don't see that in the big leagues. And you know, I I don't know. He's going to have to do it every level. And then he so he did it in Missoula, and then he went to." South Bend, and he did it there, and then he did it in Visalia about halfway through the, the year in Visalia. It might have been King County. I was like, okay, I give. <laughs> I, 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 I think this guy, uh, I think they're right. And I, we, we broke down some, some numbers last year, and, you know, track man, and you can figure out spin rates and all these things. Yeah. It, was, it was kind of fascinating because you could, you could actually put some numbers to why he was doing what he does. And and I think it's what your eyes tell you anyways. He, he throws the ball with such conviction. You said a bulldog. You yeah. know, you can you can use all those those terms. And what it relates to is life in the zone, I think. And and he's got a lot of life in the zone. He gets a lot of swings and misses on fastballs in the zone. Because he's throwing 92, 93 just about, but it plays a lot faster, doesn't yeah. it? It does, and, and it, that's that's the life, that's the conviction, that's – his his mentality, I, I think, and and when you break it down, you see it in, in numbers and track man. It's spin rate is what they call it. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of verifying, I think, what what our eyes are are telling us. How about Enrique Burgos? I mean, these are we're talking about guys at the lower levels and names to watch for, and you've been great about that. But Diamondback fans getting ready for this season have to think about that extra bullpen yeah. spot, that twelfth pitcher, and you're thinking about a Bracho and a Burgos at this point, right? Yes, I. You know, We've had a long relationship with, with Bergie. Um, you know, of course, we've had him since he's been 16. Uh, it took him seven years to get to uh, really to Visalia. And, and he could have But moved. that still only makes him 23, that, which is great. It's, it's crazy. But I've yeah, seen yeah. some of those walk totals yeah, at the low levels, yeah. and you go, holy, uh, this guy walked 48 yeah, batters in yeah. 46 innings. Yeah. And holy cow. Yeah, so it, once he got to Visalia, he, that year he could have pitched in Reno. He could have pitched in, in Mobile. He probably could have went to the big leagues. But – you know, he was he was young, and it, it took time to, to build his confidence and grow his confidence like any 16, 17-, 18-year-old would, would need. I think he's going to – he's he's ready to have a breakout year. And it's just – if you look at his, his history and, and just kind of it, it – he was always one step behind. He'd have a year, might have a little setback, and then, bam, he was able to, to jump forward. And I, I – Sooner or later, he's not going to have to do that. But I think after last year, he got off to a good start, had a little setback. 
um, I think he's ready to take another leap forward. Um, but he has, when he's right, he has close, big league closer stuff. There's no doubt about it. That heat and that big wipeout slider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a handful. Talk yes. about the rise of Socrates Burrito. Um, I compared him a little bit to uh, Ender Enciarte, I, I think, in the meetings the other, other day. Obviously, different yeah. style of player, but their path to some degree. Um, you know, you go back and look at Socrates hit when he played in South Bend. I think he hit two home runs that year. If I remember right, he had won the first game of the season and the last game of the season. Um, he likes to make a good impression. <laughs> yeah, right. and he he had a, a good year for for a young Latin kid, you know, adjusting to the culture. The next year he shows up in Bicel, he got better. Like, wow, this guy's, this guy's really starting to uh, to arrive. Um, Robbie Hammock said his favorite player in the organization. Hmm. Um, and then he, of course, went to Mobile with Robbie, that, which was last year. And for, again, a young kid playing in that league, we've talked about the hitting there. It's, it's like hitting underwater there sometimes. And, and he just kept getting better. And what do you have, 16 or 17 triples? Then? Yeah. Well, he's like a human toolbox. Yeah. I mean, he, it, it's one of those Swiss Army knives, right? He, he Run, is. throw, field, hit, he power. Is. He shows up in the big leagues and was like, he got better again. He just, again, going back to Ender, they just kept getting better and better and better each year. And you mentioned the tools, best tools in, in, in the organization. And uh, the great thing about him, a lot of guys with, with – raw tools it, it never really clicks mm-hmm. maybe upstairs or however they're they're uh, relating um or using it in the game i should say he knows how to play the game he's a very good baseball player he knows when to take an extra base he knows when to maybe take a pitch he knows how to bunt he knows how to do these things he, he knows how to be a winning player and when you have those raw tools and you're able to do the things help your team win now you have a special player and the sky's the limit with him with that name i mean he gets to the big leagues that'll be the socratic method i like to say the socratic method can yeah i mean this this is necessarily your decision but is he ready to be a fourth outfielder right now when we break camp is he best served you know maybe spending half of the season in the minor leagues and getting to get bats and then you reevaluate where he is how do you do that yeah you know again it is it isn't necessarily my my decision um I think he, he could be a fourth outfielder. Is it right for him to be a fourth right. outfielder? Yeah. I, does it benefit him? You know, I, I don't know. There will be some conversation. I, I think if he gets enough of bats, um, I, I think I think you're looking at a, a guy that, that has the ability to be talked about as a rookie of the year. I mean, he's he's got that kind of ability. Um, will we'll match up right? I mean, there's so many things that, that come into play. Well, when he goes to the big leagues, will he – you know, when we have those opportunities, you, you never know. Um, so he either now or a little bit further down the road takes a lot of the sting out of losing NCRD. I, I think so. I, you know, it's hard to lose Ender. Yeah. But you get Shelby back in, in, in return. But, you know, you, you, you're attached to these players, mm-hmm. so it, it's, it's always hard. Um, Socrates is a different style of player, but I, I, I think he can definitely help to, to fill what we may miss in, in losing Ender. There's a guy like Brito who has all, I mean, an unbelievable throwing arm. He's tremendous speed watching him run the bases. We like the hit tool a lot. And and then you've got a guy like Peter O'Brien who has this one gigantic ability to hit these monster home runs, 
but it's been a little bit of a square peg round hole deal. Where is the organization now with Peter O'Brien, and, and what has it been like to sort of figure out what to do with him and where he is? Um, you know, it's he was all over that. You know, yeah. played caught a little bit in Reno, caught well, uh, played the outfield, did a did a good job there. He played a little bit of first. You know, he was catching a little bit down here. Uh, I, I think it may be up in the air a little bit. I think he's doing a little bit more outfield. Uh, I think it's keeping his options open. Anytime a guy has that type of offensive potential, you want to keep it keep it open to some degree. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, in case something happens to to any of our guys, you know, you, he he fills a lot of different uh, voids for us if, if something unfortunate happens. He could be an emergency catcher on the major league level, play some outfield, maybe even, you know, spell Goldie on occasion. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could use him in a lot of ways, but the bat is the intriguing thing. Like Bird said, I mean, the power on this kid is mm-hmm. just off the charts. It is. I, I mean, some of the balls he hit in Reno last year. And I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, we talked about <laughs> yeah. we talked about Mobile, like playing yeah. underwater. Reno can be like playing on the moon a little bit there, but. Uh, the ball goes and goes and goes forever, but uh, he can he can certainly hit some some far ones. How good can Brandon Drury be? Man, he's uh, he is hardwired for baseball. He is he is good and bad. You know, I, it's, <laughs> uh, he's one of those guys. The game starts and he's on the field. Your eyes, you find yourself just drifting. Just to drifting. Him. Your eyes just go to him. Um, and we have several guys like that, but he he is he's a special talent. Uh, I think the way he he uh, sees the game, he watches the game, I, I think he's always learning. Um, and, and sometimes as a young guy, sometimes to a, to a fault. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he's got what he needs. He's got all the tools. He's prepared to go out and be a, a very good major league player. And I think as he gets older, he's going he's gonna to know that. And he can, be, uh, he can be anything he wants in this game. I believe he can be an all-star third baseman. Uh, with his offense, he can be an all-star second baseman. He's played short uh, last year. I don't, I don't see that long term. He can go over and play first if he needs to. I believe he can go to the outfield if he, if he had to. You know, you don't like to bounce a young guy like him around too much, but it, it's he allows you to do those things because he's he's such a good baseball player. Boy, he can hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, can he hit? And he's what twenty pounds lighter this year because he. He said he wanted to be a little quicker for second base in yeah. those reps. He looks good, and I'm, I'm glad. Um, I don't think he was too big before, but sometimes when you know he hit five home runs or, or whatever last year, which is not a concern at all, he's, he's going to be a guy that's 15 to 25. He's, he just doesn't have a lot of loft in his swing. Um, I, I just think as he gets stronger, he's going he's gonna to backspin balls out of the ballpark. A.J. Pollock didn't hit a lot of home mm-hmm. runs either as, as a young player. But he's uh, a lot of times when, when people hear those things or he's seeing that number five, they come in big the next year. They think, oh, I'm going to put on uh, 20 pounds, 15 pounds. I'm going to hit more home runs, and it, it, it goes backwards from there. I've got one more player I want to ask you about, and, and uh, Jake Barrett. I mean, we, we've heard, you know, good about this guy. He's coming. It's going to be there. And now we're hearing again, this is going to be his year. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him yet this year. I mean, I've talked to him. I just haven't seen him on the field just yet. I've heard great things about him. Uh, I think people forget how quick he got the double A and yeah, got on did. the radar. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's, he's young still. Uh, I think last year 
He went through a few bumps. He ended up going to USA Baseball a couple different times last year um, and, and playing in tournaments in the Premier 12, and, and it was really good for him. And I, and I haven't talked to him about it yet, but I've talked to another one of our players that was with USA Baseball, and um, they both benefited greatly from it, and I think Jake did, and I think that's that's why he's at where he's at now and throwing the ball like he is. But there's just a, there's such an importance on winning the game, and it's – it's not about the personal stats or numbers. It's it's about playing for your, your country. Competing, yeah. Competing, winning the game, no matter how you do it. And, and I think it simplified the game for him a little bit. And when he went out on the mound, he just he, he knew he had to get outs and, and, and not let the other team score or not, not let the other team take the lead, whatever. He just needed to do his part to, to help his country win the game. And... And I think that's something, once you learn that and you feel that and, and you realize that, that playing for something bigger than yourself, it makes it easier on you, I think he's going to bring that back with him and he's going to have a great year. He's closed at a number of different yeah. levels in the Diamondback system. And he's dominated doing doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's a quiet, very quiet person. Um, and, and I think some people mistake that as maybe not having that closer mentality. Uh, which is is wrong. Um, I think he, whether he's a big league closer, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know that he definitely has the makeup to do it, and the stuff to do it, and it's just putting it together at that level. Yeah, but it's nice to know he's been like uh, Burgos in the yeah. same way that he's been in those situations before in the minor leagues. He has, yeah. and, he, and he hasn't flinched. Um, I guess last year he went through a couple ups and downs, uh, but the the moment was never too big for him. People will, would like to know about Oscar Hernandez. Last year was a very unusual circumstance with the Rule 5 uh, scenario. Where does the organization see Oscar in terms of his development, and where's the best place for him this year? Um, you know, it's, it's still up in the air a little bit. Um, he missed a year, kind of, in, in a lot of different ways. Just didn't have that many at-bats. So, you know, you can look at levels like, like Visalia or even Reno as being hitter friendly and maybe help him get his back on. You got double A where some of our best maybe pitchers two stops are, for him this year. you know, so it, it very well could be, um, you know, he, he's such a good catcher that you want him with, with some of your, your best pitchers. So, you know, it'll be balancing um, the development of, of pitching staffs and his, his own personal development. And uh, we got to work through that through the spring. Well, Mike, it's always great to talk to you. There's not a better source for hour. <laughs> Yeah, tell me about this kid. That's the best yeah, part of this whole show. Yeah. Hey, tell me about yeah. Burgo. Tell me yeah. about Drury. Yeah. So you're a tremendous resource, and it's been great to have you for, uh, for so long here. We really appreciate it. Anytime. I really enjoy it. Got something you want to chirp about? Send it to us on the Twitter. Drop the the. Because we're all into that, uh, you know, social media stuff. Time to check the old Twitter. We uh, sent out a uh, request for questions, Leo, from the Diamondbacks podcast account, which is like uh, at Dbacks Podcast, because we want to have more folks involved here. And so, uh, what does Dback Nation tweeted in asking? We got we got to have people uh, tweeting us questions, comments. So uh, this week we got uh, a couple good ones. Uh, Benton Shahan would like to know if we think one of the finalists for the fifth starter can be can fill a bullpen role. 
So somebody who does not get the fifth starter's Correct. job moves to the bullpen. I think Gubb likely no because they just have so much depth in the bullpen as it is with uh, Bracho and Burgos and some of the other guys, Evan Marshall. And I think you like to keep your guys, uh, you know, Robbie Ray, if it's Robbie Ray or Ruby De La Rosa, you like to keep them stretched out. You need and, to have yeah. minor league depth. If you do have a guy go down in the rotation, you don't want the guy you would slide into that rotation spot working out of the bullpen because then he's – you can't go very deep into the games. And I know that Chip said the other day, he was asked that about Godley. If Godley doesn't make the rotation, is he in the bullpen? And they Chip said no. They want to keep him ready to start. Right. The only – I would see Godley in a Coleman or spot, you know, if that were to be. And, yeah. you know, Josh is there now. So, yeah, it's going to make Reno <laughs> that much better with, with some of these guys down there. But, uh, you know, chances are before the season's over, 162 games, you're going to need seven, eight, maybe nine starters. Yeah, I think that that's the right answer. Whoever doesn't get that fifth starter spot, I think you're going to want to keep him in a starting role because yeah. that's where your depth yeah. is. And they have plenty of guys to plug yep. in to that 12th bullpen spot or 12th pitcher spot in the bullpen. What else, Leo? Jake Oberhand is asking if you believe the middle infield, whoever wins the jobs, will be able to provide enough offense. Uh, you know, there are a lot of young kids there. Obviously, Goldie's going to handle his own. Uh, we, we saw Ahmed pretty up close and personal last year. Owen's going to be a big key if he's bounced back. And I think this is going to be a big year for Chris. I, I think he will bounce back. I think we're going to see the Owens that we saw in April and uh, early part of May a couple of years ago uh, before he hit a little bit of a slump and then eventually the injury. And then you got the third baseman, uh, either lefty or righty, in, in Lamb or Drury. There's enough offense potential there that Ahmed doesn't have to hit that high. I think Goins is very capable of hitting 260, 270 and giving you, uh, you know, doubles, triples, and occasional running solid defense. So I think the potential's there, but again, you take into consideration these are young kids yet. I'm right there with you on CO. I, I really think he's going to have a bounce back season. He's too good a hitter not to have. And people forget, we've talked a bit, a little bit about this on this show, but people forget what he went through with the initial shoulder injury. And they said it's a bone bruise. Then it's a torn labrum. That was in June. Doesn't have the surgery until October. And then is told, you cannot pick up a bat, absolutely nothing, all winter long. So he went into last season having not swung a bat all winter long. Couldn't even, got here and couldn't even swing a bat until almost the end of March. So he was so far behind the eight ball to start last season as it was. And then, oh, by the way, we want you to change your swing. Yeah. I mean, he didn't stand a chance. And he's just too good a hitter. I mean, the old Chris Owings pre-shoulder injury, Everything was a line drive in the gap or down the lines. And, and I September think was pretty good for that. It. Yeah. And, look, he's never going to be the most disciplined hitter ever. Right. But his pitch recognition did get better second half of last year. The metrics back that up. I think Chris Owings will have a bounce back year. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Brandon Drury. Brandon Drury's a hitter. We talked to Mike Bell about that. His bat's going to play someplace. And I think Jake Lamb not having to deal, hopefully, with the foot injury he right. dealt with last year, missed 42 games. That's I certainly going to help him, too. The big thing, especially for Ahmed, Lamb, and Drury, they know what to expect now. You know, Owens has been here a little bit longer than the other guys, but the other guys have been here. They know what's there. They know what they're capable of. Now it's just a matter of going out and executing. Yeah, there's and Segura, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the reasons you go out and get Gene Segura. I don't want to use the term insurance exactly, but it's certainly depth. And, uh, you know, everything he went through in Milwaukee with the disappointing contract negotiation with the Brewers, or the tragic death of his infant son, um, if there's ever a change of scenery guy, it's Gene Segura. I, I think the move here from the Brewers will do him a lot of good. 
Keep coming with the questions, people. We like yeah. that. Yeah. We, we got one other question. We'll find the answer to this. You guys can give your opinion. We'll get the answer maybe for the next show because it's a, it's a, it's, it's a good, uh, good question. Uh, we, he wants to know if Pollock is uh, – this is from King Holdcroft, and he wants to know if Pollock, if he prefers leading off or middle of the lineup. Well, you know what he's going to tell you. I really don't care. That's what I, I like him third. <laughs> I like him second or third. I third. like him second. I love him second. I don't like him leading off. Yeah. But I think that, and Chip has talked about this this week, I think Chip, not just with Grinky, but with more other guys, is going to hit the pitcher eighth yeah. a lot more. So if you have a Segura or an Owings, let's say, you bat him ninth, and then A.J., even though he's in the leadoff spot, the second and third time through the order, which right. is why you do that, uh, he's essentially a middle-of-the-order bat, and it provides more RBI opportunities for the Goldies and Peraltas of the world. So it might not matter so much if he bats the pitcher eighth as much as he's hinting he may. Does it might be sense? nice to have a guy like Owens in that ninth spot. I had a AJ. Or Ahmed. Or Ahmed. There were games last year where Ahmed mm-hmm. led off against lefties. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll see the pitcher bat eighth a lot more often this year, and that really does change your lineup construction. Good questions, Leo. Nice work out of you. Absolutely. Well, out of our fans. And that's our show for this week. By now, hopefully you've joined the evolution. Uh, That's the D-Backs fully integrated marketing campaign. We encourage you to check out the new website, dbacks.com slash evolution. You get all the the pictures of the uniforms, exclusive content videos. uh, You can join social media networks. Check it out, dbacks.com slash evolution. And if you're on the Twitter tweeting about the Diamondbacks, don't forget, use the hashtag. Join the evolution, obviously all one word. A reminder, D-backs spring training tickets on sale now. You can get them online, dbacks.com slash spring. Or here at the Salt River Fields box office, spring opener is March 1st against U of A. That's the opener of the uh, collegiate series. Last week we or last year we played ASU. Mm, next year I think Grand Canyon. Yeah, so that's a great uh, job by the Diamondbacks. And there will be a scrimmage here, not open to the West public. Virginia. Monday against a... Uh, WVU, Mr. Kendrick's yeah. alma mater will be in here to play the Diamondbacks in a scrimmage. Regular season single game tickets now on sale. Check out the website, dbacks.com slash evolution. And you can buy individual game tickets for all the big matchups this year. And you can also check out the many season ticket options that the Diamondbacks have available for you. dbacks.com slash evolution. Ticket info, seating charts, all the prices. We open up April 4th at Chase Field against the Rockies. Ooh, it's coming up. That does it for our 34th show, Season 2, Episode 9. Follow us on the Twitter at D-Backs Podcast. Guests on D-Backs Podcast receive our eternal gratitude. D-Backs Podcast brought to you by Beverages by Hoffman, by Martin Paints, Martin Paints at Anches Paints, and Matzas by Strites. For the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Governor Greg Schulte. Hoo-yah. And the Kingslayer, Leo Bad News Gilmartin. Yep. I'm Steve Berthume. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we will talk to you again next week as games get underway from here at Salt River Fields at Talking Sticks. So long, everybody. This has been another edition of D-Backs Podcast. The game is over. The Diamondbacks have got to win here. Thanks for listening. It's over. Go home. We'll see you soon at Chase Field for more D-Backs Baseball.